It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 580 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week is a great crowdfunding doubleheader, and it features the return of two favorites here, Dalton Shannon and Sam Johnson. Everything kicks off with Dalton Shannon, who has a Kickstarter underway with Wells Thompson for their Mechaton series. It will conclude on Wednesday, March 22 at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It's described this way. A slacker, an artist, and a witch discover an alien globe that turns anything it punches into a palatable mech. We discuss who the various characters are, how the book came to be, and what we can expect from this creative pairing in the future. A quick word of warning, I do help out with Scout Comics, who will be publishing this series, so be sure to keep that in mind. Then everything wraps up with my interview with Sam Johnson, who catches us up on Geek Girl and Cabrachini Voodoo Junkie Hit Woman. He has a Kickstarter underway right now for Cabrachini until Saturday, April 1st at 12 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It's described this way. Take Jessica Jones, Deadpool, and Doom Patrol and blend them together and you get a supernatural gun-for-hire Cabrachini. Sam updates us on how his various projects are doing, how this unique series came to be, and what we can expect from him in the months ahead. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what both of them have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Dalton K. Shannon, one of the creators of a fascinating book that is all ages called Mechaton. And there's lots and lots going on with that. How are you doing, Dalton? Hey, I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Thanks for having us again. It's uh, the last time I talked with you, I was talking with Wells Thompson as well about mm-hmm. Frankenstein the Unconquered, which was a very interesting fantasy kind of uh, horror type book. And yeah. this book is about 180 degrees the <laughs> other way from that. It is. And let me read the description on because there's a, there's. Lots of news going on with this particular franchise. There's a Kickstarter going on. Let's start with that. And. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. You're, you're. We were well on your way to get there, and it's looking for an eight thousand dollar goal. And by the time this post, let's hope you're you're beyond that into stretch goals. <laughs> the uh, the project will be funded if it reaches its goal by Wednesday, March twenty two, which is not far away, at mm-hmm. seven fifteen p.m. Eastern time. So that's good stuff. So let me read the description real quickly, and then we'll get into talking about it. It says, Megaton is a story about fighting for your community against selfishness and authoritarianism, getting by with clever thinking and teamwork, and trying to outpun your little sister and her strange, witchy significant other. Also trash robots punching giant monsters. 
think Scott Pilgrim meets Pacific Rim. The first issue was 28 pages, and all the subsequent issues are 20 pages. So where did the idea come from, Mechaton? Uh Like most things in my binder of ideas, it comes from just spitballing with friends at like two in the morning. Uh, in college, it's okay. It's sad to say that college was about 10 years ago for me now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in college, we were uh, on a bit of an anime binge. We had watched things like Gurren Lagann and Code Geass some Gundam shows, big mecha shows. And uh, we were just up late spitballing one night, throwing ideas back and forth. And then somehow this idea of glove turns things into robots came about. And uh, like we, we fell in love with the idea instantly of this very uh, visually uh, appealing, like punch turning things into robots. And, and the ideas for robots just kept flying. Like if it, they punch a hot dog cart or a police car or a house or a city block. Like what do those robots look like? What does that even mean? And uh, then years later, when Wells and I started working together, uh, I brought forward the idea of Megaton as a possible avenue to, to kind of explore. And uh, he saw what we had, which wasn't a ton, honestly, like I had written, a script and maybe some outlines and uh, they were all kind of loose. Like it had some, some structure, but, but Wells was able to kind of, and Wells has this ability about him where uh, there, there will be this kind of really kinetic idea. And uh, that doesn't seem to have a lot going on on the surface. And then he kind of like cuts right through to the core to be like, Oh, so this is what the book is about. Even when I didn't even know that what was the book about. Huh. And uh, so we were able to kind of work together and, uh, we're able to start exploring themes of, uh, you know, working with what you have, building a community, uh, uh, protecting your neighbors. Like uh, it, it went from just a rock'em sock'em robot time with cool robots to, to something that actually says something. And uh, while still being a ton of fun, we it's such a great series to work on. Let me read another paragraph from the uh, Kickstarter. It says, siblings Derek and Leia, mm-hmm. Leia, of course, a Star Wars reference, don't really have a plan. And all they know is that video games are fantastic and that you should always look out for your neighbor. When giant mutant insects terrorize the neighborhood, they'll have to get off the couch and do something about it. I'm kind of interested because Derek is a... Uh, he's, he's one of those, you know, you see those the, those I, characters in... The, in uh, TV and comics and stuff. The he's a heart of gold character who doesn't necessarily follow the rules, which I really like about him. So, where did Derek is? Is Derek like based on somebody? Where uh, did he come? Well, Derek is very much based on every directionless twenty-something, uh, especially like me and my my friends. Like Derek is schlubby. He likes playing video games, uh, and he doesn't really have a plan. For, for anything. He just is good to people and uh, the world kind of gives back to him in that regard. Uh, so he's not very smart. He's, he's not very skilled. Uh, honestly, if he had been the one to find the glove by himself, things would have gone horribly, horribly wrong. But because he's with his sister, Leah, uh, she's not necessarily the brains of the operation, but she has a better idea of like technical know-how and uh, a sense of planning. So uh, together they make, uh, she's in the cockpit, so to speak, while he drives the robot. Uh, And together they make a pretty good team fighting off giant kaiju. 
because she's she gets we'll, we'll talk about the glove in a second, but she ends up going to uh, like like uh, what do you call it, junkyards and stuff like mm-hmm. that to gather stuff so she can build things. Mm-hmm. And because she's there, she comes across uh, what you've already referred to as a glove. Uh, mm-hmm. It falls from the sky, and she happens to be near it when it falls, and she. Uh, well, let's see. Let me read the paragraph. That talks about that. Luckily, everything they need just fell out of the sky. The Mechaton glove, a machine that converts anything it punches into a real-life Gundam, whether it's a hot dog stand or the entire planet. They aren't the only ones who want to take advantage of this power. If they're going to save the neighborhood, they're going to have to battle corporations, the military, and actual space fascists. Here's hoping they look cool do it, doing it. Um, it's interesting to me because it. Uh, I'm so fascinated by the glove because, you know, mm-hmm. the first thing that came to mind when I saw that, of course, was Avengers. Right. And Thanos and stuff like that. And I was thinking, ah, you, you, you wouldn't rip off the Avengers. You were just <laughs> probably something that happened before all that. So how did, when did the glove become part of this? This was uh, pre-Thanos days? Well, yeah, the glove was the glove's been part of the concept from day one. Like the, to have a gauntlet that punches things into robots—that's the the core conceit of the series. Uh, and though the Infinity Gauntlet dates back to like 1991, uh, the the MCU's gauntlet uh, had only been teased, I think, by the time we were making Mechaton. So I think 2013 was when Mechaton was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's so, yeah, you know. It's a big honking glove, so of course it looks like the Infinity Gauntlet, but it doesn't do anything that the Infinity Gauntlet does. So it, it really is its own beast, and uh, Derek also can't take it off. Like it's it's very much a part of him now, and uh, he has to be very intentional about how he uses it. Uh, the The glove has a lot of cool origins to it that we have been teasing and are uh, going to continue to reveal throughout the series. Uh, and and its owners come calling eventually, but uh, yeah. So the the glove has. I mean, the glove is the the core of the idea, and it's always been there. Okay, because uh, we should talk a little bit about the campaign too. The mm-hmm. campaign is actually it's described as Mechaton numbers one through five, a ru- a rule of cool comic with mechs and kaiju. Um. I, 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 I'm kind of curious because uh, this is actually the first arc, the first full arc of this right. storyline. But it sounds like you've got plenty more in mind for Dear Old Megaton. Do you have other uh, story arcs in mind? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we we are running the campaign for uh, issues four and five, which are the conclusion to the first arc, uh, act one, if you will. Uh, so this uh, the first arc ends... With a bit of a bang, uh, up to now, Derek and Leah have kind of been uh, getting up to shenanigans in their their kind of local sphere. And by the end of issue five, the doors kind of get blown wide open and they start to realize just how in over their heads they are. Uh, So the world really kind of expands and opens up after issue five. And uh, we have around about 15 issues planned out for two more arcs. Uh, and it just the story just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Hmm. Well, the one thing I'll say about the characters they're they're very human. Oh, thank you. Very different, and and we you try. know, <laughs> Derek is the uh, 
he reminds me a little bit of the guy in in uh, Firefly, um, the the captain of the ship in Firefly. Oh, in the sense yes, that he's that Nathan he's very you know, he's kind and, and and considerate and he's he's kind of in charge, but I don't know if he's necessarily always comfortable. <laughs> So it's good. So I like he's the one that uh, he ends up with the glove on, and for a very interesting reason. I don't. There's a reason why I don't want to spoil too much of issue one, and we'll get to that before too long. But um, he ends up wearing the glove because Leah does not want to be the one wearing it because she is the tech person. And she wants to examine it, and if she puts it on, she won't be able to examine it as well. Which I found a really interesting reason for that and of course uh, Derek ends up with it on and then uh, let's just say trouble ensues from that <laughs> and which is of course a good story and like that now he's a great character in that I also like the sister because she is because she is you know it didn't used to be that women or girls were great at science or technology but now just luckily in the last decade or two we've had girls become technology experts and stuff like that which i've always liked uh, i remember star trek voyager we had the the engineer the chief engineer was a girl and mm -hmm. i remember i had a chance to talk to the actress one time when she was on stage and i said you know it was great because this is the first time i really have noticed in in popular media where we've had a girl as a technician kind of stuff and she was such how proud she was of that <laughs> and i think that's the, the that was for me the beginning of this tradition that she is, mm -hmm. which I like. How did she come about? Is, is she also based on somebody? Uh, well, I mean, women have always been super great at at the maths and the sciences and the STEM uh, studies. Uh, it's just we haven't always uh, afforded them the opportunity to kind of uh, show that to the world and and. Uh, We've, we've kind of stopped them from contributing for a, a lot of uh, human history. And uh, thankfully, over the past few decades, we've been making some progress in that regard. Uh, and Leah, we, we think, is, is a step toward there. We weren't really making Leah with an intention of like making any sort of statement. We were making a sibling. Uh, Derek and Leah, their relationship is the heart of Mechaton. And Wells and I are both... Uh, we both have siblings of our own, so we both know how that relationship actually functions in a day-to-day -day life. It's not so much they always get along or it's always super antagonistic. Like There's, there's good-natured ribbing going on the whole time, uh, and uh, you know, they love each other to death, but they would kill them if they breathed at them wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so Leah, Leah came from a place of wanting to have a genuine sibling relationship, uh, and to have the sister be uh, sort I mean, let's be real. Leah is an artist. She, that's why she was going to the, the dump to gather materials to make statues. She's not super smart. She just likes to dig into things and, and look at how they're made, but mostly from an aesthetic artistic kind of, kind of way, but she just has more of a head for it than Derek does. So when she finds the glove, she wants to really dig in and see what's going on with that glove. Uh, and, and Derek just wants to eat noodles and, and doesn't want to have to bother with it. So, uh, and Leah kind of forces the glove on Derek without, I mean, she wasn't trying to be cruel. Like it, it nobody knew the glove wouldn't come off, but 
uh, now Derek's stuck with it and Leah has access to all the programs within her, uh, her phone, thanks to a, a hookup. So, uh, so yeah, they, they make a really great team and their, the relationship is so good. And I don't mean like technically good. I mean, like it, it, they are just good people who care about each other and want to do right by each other, but they're, they're not going to let them like live in embarrassment down either. This reminds me very much of my own sister, my own sister. (laughs) When she was when uh, she was born first, and then my brother and I came along later. And the thing that was really interesting was my sister loved nothing better than to take things apart. She took yeah. clocks apart. She took all things. The bad news was she couldn't put them back together. <laughs> so that was always like they, they when we came along, they said you are not taking anything apart, <laughs> and so we didn't for those kind of things. But that's what. My sister reminds me very much of of the two of them. I think it's kind of fun the way that they uh, they interact with those kinds of things. Very genuine, very real, which I really like. Now, there's a third character that's involved with all this, and that is the girl named Hex. Why don't you talk about Hex? Uh, well, Hex is a non-binary uh, Cambodian witch who uh, is dating Leah, uh, their Leah's partner. And uh, Hex is like this lightning rod of reason. Uh, They don't want anything to do with Derek and Leah's nonsense. Like they love Leah to death, but uh, if Derek brings that glove into their house, they're going to have a fit. Like uh, it, all this nonsense that the book is built around. uh, They just don't have a tolerance for it. And so they're this, they kind of keep things grounded when things start getting a little wacky. They're able to be like, okay, hold on. Let's back up a second. Can you calm down for us for a bit? And let's kind of like reason this out and talk it through because Derek and Leah share one brain cell between them. And uh, they're, they're more than happy to just like continue going on punching insects whenever they pop up. And, and Hex is very much like, no, we need to figure out what's going on and like make sure this doesn't happen again. And uh, so yeah, Hex brings this, uh, this flavor that uh, if we just had Derek and Leah, I don't think uh, would be quite as uh, fulfilling. Uh, They're great. I love them. Okay. Now there's another uh, family that's involved that Mm -hmm. I really like, and that is the Mitchells. Um, Mr. Mitchell runs a hot dog stand or a hot mm-hmm. dog cart that he drives around, and his wife is at home, and they have a son that we don't see right off the bat named Nathan. Talk a little bit about the Mitchells, why don't you? Well, the Mitchells uh, are they're at this point in the story anyway. Uh, are, are more have been more of a narrative device than uh, an actual family. Uh, Heidi and, and Frank Mitchell uh, are kind of these two working class people from Derek's community who are doing their best. Uh, you know, Frank runs a hot dog cart. Uh, Heidi works uh, as a nurse at the local uh, hospital and uh, their son needs certain medications that it's getting way too expensive to afford. Uh, so Derek intentionally like causes his pizza delivery to be late. So they don't have to pay for it on Nathan's birthday. Uh, 
but we wanted to kind of have this family who was a part of the community and that Derek had a good relationship with. It's not necessarily that they're family. So like they don't have that kind of relationship, but they're the neighbors he's known all his life. Uh, so there is a connection there that he wants to kind of, you know, keep healthy and maintain and, and he looks out for them. Uh, and then they do the same uh, in four and five that actually comes back that the family does the same to help out Derek and Leah and Hex uh, when things start to hit the fan. Uh, but also Frank's hot dog cart provides us with the very first mech. Like uh, it gets destroyed in the initial Kaiju attack. And, and Frank doesn't like Frank doesn't have the money to get a new hot dog cart. Like his livelihood just got wrecked. And in a fit of like, frustration Derek punches the remains of the hot dog card and we get our mark one that fights off the the first kaiju so uh so yeah the mitchells are a great family that we want to explore more in the future uh they they really are kind of the tether to the community that Derek and Leah are fighting so hard to protect they're the face of that Okay, now you've you've touched on something that I think we need to talk a little bit about, and that is the uh, uh, the way that all these people interact and the business of them being in the community. How long have these people all known each other? Do you know? I I, I don't. Be honestly, we don't ever write like series bibles, so it, I mean, they know each other as long as they need to for the story to work. Um, I always pictured it at, cause I grew up in a small community, a small town, uh, where everybody knew everybody and, uh, you helped out everyone when they, when they needed it. And we would all get together for like cookouts and, uh, for anniversaries and, and any sort of celebration. Um, I don't know if Derek's community is quite that small. It's a little more industrious, but, uh, the people who live there, especially in probably the older parts of the town have probably known each other all their lives like the parents are friends their kids grow up together and are friends like it's it's one big community that's just kind of always been there do we know what where the parents are for derek and leah so we actually do meet their mom in uh issue four so uh i don't want to spoil that moment because it is one of the genuinely great moments of chapter four that's not a big mech so uh but yeah, we we get to we do get to meet uh, their mother. We we don't have uh, anything set in stone for their father just yet, but uh, you know we still have ten more issues of Mechaton. Okay, now uh, something else I wanted to talk about is that uh, obviously you guys are video game uh, <laughs> yes. devotees. Yes, because as we go along, we see things and it's done in the video game style. Now, I don't happen to be that big of a video gamer. I just don't have the mm-hmm. time, sadly. I sure a lot of fun. If I had lots and lots of time, I'd be happy to do it. But I recognize when something is from a video game. And uh, let's just say the first time a one of the kaiju show up, mm-hmm. ab- above its head shows the, its name, mm-hmm. Diheadopod which I got a huge kick out of. And then <laughs> there's a description of what it is. And that, that's where I'll stop is uh, uh, what that whole business is. And then we get into what happens to the cart and stuff like that. And so 
uh, let's just say that when the when Mechaton first appears, you know there's going to be several iterations because this is Mechaton Mark One. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I always, as an editor, I'm always telling people you don't have a number one unless you have at least a number two. Right. So that has to be. This is the first one, and you also get rankings about what the powers are pretty much of, of the Mark one. What I particularly like is on this chest. It says hot dog. Yes. <laughs> the stand said, and I get a kick out of that. And it lists power levels and it talks about the ranking of, of brawling and stuff like that. I won't get into all of that because I think people should read it and, and enjoy <laughs> that. But there's, uh, let's just say that Derek punches out of frustration and things happen. And he is suddenly, like a transformer, basically, for people who yeah. aren't into all that stuff. And I think that they'll recognize. And, of course, he decides it's time to take care of business with the uh, with the creature, the uh, the Hedipod. Mm-hmm. And he goes and, and battles that. And things kind of resolve. But then they're stuck with trying to figure out how to live with things the way that they are. There's this wonderful panel where uh, – uh, Derek inside the armor is talking to his sister and they don't know the answer to a question. They basically look at each other and they're silent. <laughs> yeah. I love that moment. That was a wonderful, <laughs> a very human moment. And then of course the sister asks a very telling question, <laughs> which of course leads to another question. I always ask, which of course not in this kind of book, but uh, how, how in the world do you go to the bathroom? And stuff? <laughs> That's probably all linked together. Now, it really, the first issue kind of ends really interestingly. The police come across them. They don't know what's going on. So what the first thing they're going to do is put their guns up and say, uh, you know, put them up, you mm-hmm. know, because there's uh, things Some going on. Some weapon of mass destruction in front of them. Uh, well, that's right. And it's also, it's just resolved the situation in a way they might not want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, <laughs> that's the end of the, of the first issue. And it's a lot of fun. It's really interesting. It, it's uh, I've got to ask, of course, the the artist. Where, how did you come across the artist, Mr. Pinto? Oh yeah, uh, Fernando Pinto uh, is a Chilean art professor. Uh, we actually found his stuff on on Twitter, just browsing, and really loved his energy. He actually has his own comic. I think it's called Gun Punch, uh, which is uh, just as kinetic as the stuff you're seeing in Mechaton, uh, only with with less max. Uh, and we really liked how expressive his art was, uh, how uh, it moved, uh, and the, just the energy that was on the page. And uh, his his style really fit what we were kind of going for with Mechaton. And, and I mean, if, if you love the mechs, that all props go to Fernando, because we're the idiots who say, and then the hot dog cart becomes a robot. And then Fernando has to figure out what that robot looks like, and, and he hits it on the head every single time. Like it, This is... I feel kind of bad because in a way, this is one of the most challenging things a writer can ask an artist. It's a challenging book. And, and Fernando is just a consummate professional. He, he gives us the pages and, uh, and we always tell him uh, if, if this sounds stupid, if, if this isn't going to work on the page, you're the artist. You, you know this better than we do. Like make like you free reign to make it better. And, and he always does like Fernando is a gym. 
Well, he's a professor, right? He's used yes. To, so. mm-hmm. so he's, he's used to, he's probably seen projects and had to sort things out <laughs> in the past. So he's good yes. at it right now and figuring things out and where they go. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's interesting. This, uh, the Kickstarter, like we said, is going to conclude on Wednesday, March 22 at 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. So the important thing is not to wait until yes. that time to do it. Now is the time to get out there and back this up. And hopefully by the time this posts, you'll be into stretch goals and all kinds of wonderful things uh, going on with that because you have developed quite a, a fan base. And then those things I think are going to be helpful, particularly yes. as, you, as you slide into home base uh, <laughs> towards the end and stuff like that. So this is all very good. Um, I, I got a kick. I like the the logo, which was designed by Brenda Snellby, which I, I thought was kind of very good. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah. logo. It's very, very good. And I, I, I get a kick out of uh, the five-issue things. And <laughs> I'm always curious as to why they're bugs. You know, there's machines fighting bugs uh, a lot of the time. Is that is that a, an anime thing? Uh, I don't – we just need a kaiju. And uh, in issue one, you'll notice that the uh, – you know, when the glove falls in the dump, there are insects that are gathering around the glove and the radiation from the glove kind of causes the mutations. Um, so uh, we just we, – we needed something for them to punch and we needed a reason for the kaiju to exist. And uh, the easiest way is they get irradiated by the glove. Uh, we had – drafts that were much more complicated in how the kaiju were born or their reason for being there. And we realized that the the core of the story wasn't about figuring out where they come from. It's, it's more about dealing with them. Uh, and and we, we get into much more, um, our antagonists become a bit more, uh, two and three dimensional as the series progresses. Uh, so, you know, you start small and you build up, and the, the kaiju were a great way, uh, kind of counterintuitively, of starting small. Well, I, I already thought they were very human. I, I really come mm-hmm. to understand them and like them already with the first issue that I got to see. So I'm, I'm, I'm more you. human. That'll be interesting. I mean, <laughs> you may see how much more human they get to be. That'll be kind of fun to see. Now, I, I do have to ask a question, and if this, re- if this is explained in further issues, you don't have to tell me, but there was when when Leah's at the junkyard and some the glove is coming towards the the to where she is. In one of the panels, there's a crack, and it looks like something splits off. Is that going to be explained later on? It is. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, we, I don't need to know to, anymore. We start to resolve those uh, in issue five. Oh, okay. Because I. Yeah. I know. See, I thought that maybe the 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 bug was what came off of there. I didn't realize it was the radiation that got it. So that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> no, the hedipod is not is uh, is a radiation. Yes. Okay. Eagle-eyed oh. readers here. <laughs> okay, because I was I was looking at it going like maybe this bug is what came off of that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not good. Not like that. So it's 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 a really smart book. It does not talk down to readers. Uh, it's an all ages title. I think that people are going to really enjoy because I don't think there's nearly enough of those around. We need to get mm-hmm. uh, the next generation into reading comics because all of us won't be here all the time. And we need to make <laughs> sure that people get into those and enjoy those because the generations, we need to keep comics going in, in my humble opinion. So 
Yeah, I mean, and kids are reading comics in droves now. They just happen to be more at book fairs than they do at comic shops. Uh, so they they like to have the the collected books more so than going in and getting floppies. Uh, so so thankfully, Mechaton can kind of uh, appeal to both markets. Uh, at least down the line, we can for sure. Okay, now when the book first starts out, number one. It starts out with rule number one says nothing is off the table. And so, oh, wait, that comes later. And then we get a different rule number one. Are we going to see the rules in other future books? Or is that was that just kind of a fun way to start off the first book? Uh, it was a fun way to start off the book. Uh, but the character who is narrating that uh, mm-hmm. comes into play in Chapter 5. So oh. uh, I am sure that when we start diving more into them in our second arc, those rules are going to start playing a bit more of a, a part. It's not like they are hard rules for the series, but they might be her rules for the series. Her rule. Okay. Something to, to keep in mind. Um, I, there's a, a wonderful, funny bit uh, where, where the, the narrator is saying something and says, God help us all. And then Derek, who's playing video games, says, I'm a god. <laughs> he goes. And, of course, that was a hilarious bit of writing to, to go with that. I really like that. So well, thank you. I, get it. I like Derek, I really like because he is very human. Now, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, chapter one title. It's called Ignition. Of course, which is a great thing for machines and starting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Then, Or how to properly punch a giant cockroach in the face. <laughs> it says so there's, there's all kinds of see that kind of humor to me is is a lot of fun to enjoy to read those kinds of things and i think that you guys did a wonderful job of doing that well thank you our uh, our subtitles are a bit of a point of pride we that that uh ignition subtitle has been uh there from the very first draft uh and i don't i i can't explain where it came from i just I, I guess the the energy of the book, and I just wrote that ridiculously long subtitle because uh, I was inspired by all the anime, I guess. But now it's survived ten years later, and now we have to think of those stupid subtitles for every issue now. And and well, we it's easy to think of the main title. We're like, got it, and now we have to figure out what is the funny subtitle for this one, and uh, we we agonize over it for for days on end. It feels like. <laughs> well, I enjoy those kinds of things. Now, a couple of points I think I wish I wanted to talk about the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. There's a $250 level that gets you a commission plus an iridescent cover. Yes. What, what's the iridescent cover? Uh, it is a shiny foil cover. Uh, we do these on every campaign. They've proven to be pretty popular. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a material that is just super reflective. It's really gorgeous. And uh, the interior pages are actually printed on a different kind of paper than the standard cover editions. Uh, the standard editions are a bit more of a, a matte finish. So the colors are, they don't pop as much as when you get the foil. The foil is on a much more glossy kind of paper. So those colors really sing in, in that edition. Uh, we, so you can only get those on uh, for the main cover. So the Fernando Pinto covers are the foil covers that you can get. Uh, but okay. but they're, they're so pretty to look at. Love them to death. Oh, great. Okay, so that'll be good. So that's uh, – is that your Destiny cover? That's on five? What, where is that? Four and five. Both of them. Yeah. Okay, so that'll yeah. be good. Yeah, so you can get both of them with the foil. 
Now, one thing I noticed too is that you did a lot of early bird stuff for this. Yes. A lot of those I've already, by the time this post has been long gone, but uh, <laughs> there was a lot of them. And, and, and I think that's how, how you've gotten as far as you have is by having, I think early birds always coax people who are on the fence to, to jump in and get going. So you had a bunch of them. You've had several backers in all of them too. Oh so yeah. That was Our- our early bird's a great way to just like it's it's twenty percent off for the first seventy two hours, and uh, I don't know we we always want to try and make the uh, campaign as affordable as possible for whatever route you want to take to get Mechaton into your hands, and uh, the early bird's a good way to just kind of kick things off and uh, kind of celebrate the launch, and uh, everyone seems to respond pretty well to early bird, I think. I think it's one of the better ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, great ways to make things happen. Now, for the last time, let's let's talk about the. It, it's going to conclude if it reaches its goal by Wednesday, March twenty-two at seven fifteen mm-hmm. p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So don't wait. Do it now. Get down there and and get these things all taken care of, and so we can get more mechaton in the future. <laughs> but talking about the future, there is a bright and shiny future for mechaton yeah. because. Uh, Shortly after the Kickstarter concludes, issue one is going to be available in comic shops. Uh, do you want yes. to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, Mechaton One is coming out March 29th to comic shops everywhere uh, from Scout Comics YA imprint Scoot. Uh, we we got to partner with them. They've been great to work with. Um, you'll get a uh, brand new exclusive cover from Fernando Pinto. Uh, I believe they are also doing like a uh, one of those old clamshell VHS tape variant covers, oh. so you get to see uh, you'll get to see that art in uh, a VHS kind of way, uh, which I think is a lot of fun for an all ages book. And uh, we've also kind of remastered the first issue a little bit. We didn't have a lot of tweaking to do with it, but uh, we talked with Scout, and uh, there's like a few dialogue changes, maybe a few color choices that are a little different. Uh, but it's essentially the same book. Uh, so if you've already bought the book through Kickstarter, uh, there are plenty of reasons to to jump in and and you know double, triple, quadruple dip uh, with this one for the exclusive covers and uh, see if you can spot some of the remasters. And uh, if you've never tried out Mechaton then, uh, well, I'd recommend going to the Kickstarter because you can get all five issues there. But uh, this is also a great place to kind of uh, test the waters if you uh, prefer going into your local comic shop. Now, one of the things about this issue is that it's in Scout Comics, it's what's called the nonstop. Mm -hmm. And what nonstop does is it prints the first issue, but then they wait several months or a couple months, and then the entire story will come out in like a collected format uh, rather than doing individual issues each time. And I think that's a good way to differentiate from the Kickstarter to the, 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 the comic shop stuff. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who like to, to have your, your trades on your shelf, uh, that's a great way to, to experience Mechaton. But if you're a floppy collector and uh, you like your variant covers, the Kickstarter is really the only place you can go to, to get those. Scout's not going to be printing two through five. They're just going to do one and then the trade. So if uh, if you like all these cool variant covers that we have, or or if you are a, a floppy collector, uh, Kickstarter is the way to go. But we uh, after this campaign wraps, we are almost done putting together issue four and five. So uh, those will be uh, 
in inboxes relatively soon. And then that means that we will get the uh, trade on shelves before long as well. Very good. Very good. Now, I'm just curious because you guys as writers like to do things uh, not the same style, which I always like. Because mm-hmm. like I said, the last time we talked about your Frankenstein book. Yes. a really interesting story. And as I said, this is a very different bit of storytelling. What was it like to transition from Frankenstein to Mechaton? I mean, how did you – were you working on them at the same time? Did you – how do you guys approach the, the, the different kinds of storytelling? Uh, yeah, we do work on Mechaton and Frank at the same time. Um, it's honestly not super hard, at least for, for me. Uh, Mechaton is kind of my, my sweet pocket to be in. That, that kind of over-the-top, uh, quippy, action-packed, uh, character-driven piece. And, uh, so with Frank, I, I had to stretch a little bit more. I, you know, especially with the violence, like it, it wasn't so much the punch sends them through the wall as that the punch goes through their chest. Uh, so I, you, you get to play around more with uh, themes that you you kind of instinctually avoid if you're if you're writing more towards a Mechaton audience. Uh, and Wells is much more uh, adept at writing the the heavier stuff like Frank. So he gets to stretch a little bit and kind of like pull himself back for for Mechaton a little bit. So it, it's not so much having to make a hard transition uh, because at the end of the day, we're still writing. Uh, I mean, if you look at like the narrative beats of Mechaton and Frankenstein, like you can tell they're written by the same people. Like we uh, we're still the same kind of writers. It's just, we're dealing with different subject matter and, and telling different stories. Uh, it, it just so happens that, uh, one of them is about an undead monster and the other is about a kid with a robot. <laughs> See, I like writers who can write different kinds of stories. I, if you only write Westerns, mm-hmm. after a while, I hate to say it, but the Westerns start to sound similar to me. <laughs> so yes. for me, I'd rather have different kinds of storytelling going on just because I think it stretches your writing muscles a little bit just because you can't, you can't do the same things mm-hmm. uh, in different books. And that kind of gives you a chance to try different things out. And I, I think that's a, a smart thing that you guys are doing going into different kinds of stuff and doing yeah. these different kinds of stories. Yeah, we love playing around. Like, like I mentioned earlier, I have binders full of, of ideas that are wildly different than the last. And, uh, I, you know, I, I want to get to all of them someday, but it's, it's also important to not get pigeonholed, especially like if, if you're known for horror, people are always going to expect horror from you and may not want to give your lighthearted all ages comic a try. So it's, it, it's, it was important to us to kind of diversify up front. That way we could kind of just do what we wanted instead of feel like we have to go one direction over the other. Okay, well, that's good. I think that's very smart and very mm-hmm. uh, forward-thinking as far as doing more than just you. As much as you'd like to do a Frankenstein franchise and <laughs> you want to do a Mechaton franchise and stuff like that, it's good to be able, because like uh, Scott Snyder, for example, he was doing mm-hmm. Batman and stuff like that. Then mm-hmm. he often did in his own uh, self-created books, and the four that he did were very different from each other, and I thought that was smart. Yeah, the way he did that, and I think so. I think you guys are doing the, the very same thing, <laughs> moving smartly ahead and and doing different things. We're trying. 
<laughs> That's good. Now, I do have one last question. Since Wells in here, I'll, I'll ask you. Um, <laughs> whenever I see your stuff, I'm an alphabetic type of guy. I'm a proofreader. I always want other mm-hmm. things to be in, in alpha order. But when they list the writers, for example, in the, in the uh, solicitation for Megaton number one, Wells' name comes before yours. And I'm sort of curious, because you said this was your concept initially, and then Wells got involved and started doing it. Mm-hmm. Why is your name not first? Uh, so it's, it's uh, well, it's kind of how, uh, I don't want to just compare ourselves to, to them, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. In kind of the way that Lennon McCartney wanted to do their music, they wanted to kind of have it in a way where whoever did the most work on the song got top billing. Uh, but then it ended up, they just went, they ended up just going alphabetically with Lennon McCartney. Uh, so that fell through. But uh, we are kind of trying to do the the other, where somebody in whatever project we're doing is going to take point on that book. Uh, so Wells takes point on Mechaton. He was, he was really smart when we sat down with this because we knew that we were going into Mechaton and we were going into Frankenstein at the same time. And he knew where our strengths lie. Uh, he knew that I was really great at Mechaton and he was really probably best suited for Frank, but he was smart to say, no, let's take point on the opposite series. That mm-hmm. way we can stretch our muscles and the other one can kind of pull us back or push us forward if we need them to. Uh, so Wells took point on Mechaton, and uh, that means he writes the first draft, and then I'll write the second draft uh, to kind of mold it into shape, and then he will take it into uh, like a third draft, maybe a fourth if it absolutely needs it. And uh, he kind of get he gets final say if there's any sort of discrepancy if if we won't budge on some sort of issue, uh, the person who has point has the liberty to say no. We're gonna if if you're not gonna budge, this needs to get done. We're gonna be doing this, and uh, that way we just don't get stuck in a cycle of of uh, bickering forever. Somebody, we can actually move forward with the project. So that's why Wells is top billing on Megaton. And it's why I'm top billing on Frankenstein. Uh, it's just, just we, we tried our own Lennon McCartney. Okay. That's very good. Very good. Now, uh, as far as future projects, this is going to wrap up the Kickstarter on the first uh, uh, story. Uh, what other things are you guys working on that we should be aware of? Yeah, so uh, more Frankenstein is coming this year. Uh, I think we're going to be doing what we did with Mechaton, and we're going to be uh, offering issues three and four, so another double issue campaign. Uh, Frank's always great to do. Everybody seems to really like Frank. Uh, So that will be coming later this year, uh, probably end of summer, early fall. Uh, But we've also got uh, a huge project coming out in the spring on Kickstarter, our most ambitious project yet. Uh, it's going to be uh, half of like a massive, well, th- I shouldn't say half, the first volume of a massive graphic novel that we've been working on since we started working together. Um, it's it's a really, it's way more literary than we've been doing lately. Uh, it's much more human. Uh, and it's uh, something we've been excited to tell for years now and uh it, it's exhilarating and also really nerve-wracking because it is such a massive project and to take it to kickstarter is uh well we'll just see how it shakes out i guess but we're, we're super excited for it 
is it you can't give us any more information on that, on that right now? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we've talked about another podcast. I, I just never know how far people want to to talk about a project that's not on the what was on the docket. Um, no, it's called Depths, and uh, it's about a man who gets trapped at the bottom of the ocean for three years. Uh, he has uh, like a diving suit, like an old school diving suit that uh, is basically a perpetual breathing device. So it takes in water and converts it to oxygen. And okay. it's the story of him just trying to survive at the bottom of the ocean alone. Uh, it's about him trying to find his way home. It's about grief. It's about loss. Uh, and uh, it it also has an octopus named Douglas in it, so it's it's got everything going for it. It, but but it is it it's a really it's a heavier book than we are are used to doing. Uh, there's no over the top action in this one. It's it's almost entirely a character piece, and uh, yeah, we we've been trying to tell it for years now, and now the time's finally come. And it has tentacles in it. Of course, what what underwater story would be would it be if it didn't have tentacles? Well, I know Wells likes to have stories <laughs> in it, so I'm just kind of kicked out of that. Now, your website is daltonkshannon.com. Yes. And you've got information there. You can sign up for a newsletter there or go on to Twitter. Correct. Why don't you go ahead and tell Wells' uh, website where we're at? Uh, yeah, I think Wells has a website, uh, wellsthompson.com. Uh, I don't know how often he uses it. He's most active on Twitter at wellsthomp, T-H-O-M-P. Uh, and on his Twitter and mine, you can sign up for our newsletter, Comics, Cats, and Cocktails, where we give you uh, updates on what we're working on, uh, books we've been reading, cocktail recipes, and and cat pictures. So uh, the, the whole gamut, once a month, delivers straight to your inbox. So if you're a Mechaton completist, get the Kickstarter, and then be sure to get to your comic shop on the 29th so that you can get the, the, the first issue in the nonstop uh, there as well, and you can also tell me you want to get the, uh, the the collected edition when that comes out later. Absolutely. So, well, Dalton, you're, it was great talk with you again. Say hi yes. to Wells for me. I, Absolutely. We'll talk again sometime. I'm sure there's plenty of other good things coming down the road that we can talk about. So, uh, much always. success. Much success with the Kickstarter and much success with the Scoot book too. I'm sure. I'm looking forward to seeing it on stands. It'll be great. Well, hey, thanks so much. Uh, it's been great being back. Thanks for having me. need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man from flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. No longer willing to let her boyfriend slash pimp treat her like dirt, Carvacini got lethal payback with the help of voodoo magic and liked it. Voodoo became her new addiction and Carver has cleaned up her act and forged a deadly new vocation. Whiteout, who based on urban legend may or may not be a ghost, is making his presence felt in Carver's Detroit neighborhood, offering the upper classes an opportunity to rid the place of its quote-unquote less desirable elements.
It's time to catch up on Sam Johnson and his various great comics, including one that has a Kickstarter right now, Cabrachini Voodoo Junkie Hitwoman. I actually have it in front of me so I can pronounce it right. And also Geek Girl, which is Geek Hyphen Girl, which is something people need to know and make sure they get to the right place. So how's it going, Sam? It's going well. Yeah, the uh, the Cabrachini Kickstarter is going well. Geek Girl 10 uh, was available on the previous Geek Girl Kickstarter, but has now just come out for general release uh, and is also available on the Carver Kickstarter. There's a Carbacini Geek Girl crossover pack, so that's all, it's all, it's all happening. Okay, so according, according to the Kickstarter page, says you funded in 48 hours with Carbacini, so congratulations are in order. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I um, I didn't set the, the target as high as I would with Geek Girl. Geek Girl's been running a while. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I know we're going to see returning, you know, uh, readers and returning backers for that. Um, but this is only the second Carbaccini Kickstarter for issues two and three, although you can get issue one and zero on it as well, which was what the original one was. But it's uh, it's nice to see uh, some people that, that, that were there for the original Kickstarter for uh, one and zero back uh came out day one backed it which is uh and it played a big uh big part in getting us to a goal so early okay now that people always get on me because i don't say this soon enough is that uh, uh this project will be funded if it reaches its goal by saturday april 1st at 12 a.m eastern daylight time but as we're talking like as i said you've already passed your goal yeah and uh good things are happening are, are stress goals going what's going on with that um, I, I don't know whether it's going to be stretch goals coming into play. At the moment, there isn't anything that comes to mind to add as a stretch goal. But as I say, what's new to the Kickstarter is the Geek Girl and Carver crossover pack tying in with the release of the new issue of Geek Girl issue 10. Uh, and let's do the um, let's do the blurb for people that are unfamiliar with either or or both of these series. So Geek Girl, this hot popular college chick, lands a pair of super tech glasses, uh, leads to her becoming growing from basically an it girl into a, a bona fide superhero and is now fronting a super team. Uh, and that's the arc which starts in issue five uh, and is in the uh, team Geek Girl trade paperback which Carbaccini features in because uh, the connection is going to be well it's not revealed until you get some way into that but uh, Carver is hired to uh, someone in Geek Girl gets shot but due to the use of their occult magic manages to survive and hires Carbaccini voodoo junkie hit woman to hire the person that shot him now, Carbaccini Voodoo Junkie Hitwoman is an ex crackhawk turned supernatural gun for hire who used to be a, a prostitute, had enough of abuse from her boyfriend slash pimp, and couldn't bring herself to just physically kill him, but learned some voodoo magic that she bastardized, and in the heat of the moment, ended up combining this with a gun and kind of liked it. Uh-huh. Now, it says here in the Kickstarter, it says take Jessica Jones, Deadpool, and Doom Patrol and blend them together and you get the supernatural gun for hire, Cabrachini. So how long have you been writing Cabrachini, by the way? I think you, you and I have been talking for a while and I, we've talked about her for quite some time. When did you actually come up with her? I think we're talking 
over 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah, but I, I held back. The, the, what this Carbaccini series is, is a four-issue mini-series as well as issue zero, and the artwork for all of it is complete, but I held it back because I wanted to introduce her in the pages of Geek Girl to make her. She, she previously appeared in, in uh, uh, anthology, in short stories, and uh, anthology called FX, uh, regularly in their annual Halloween issue, uh, and I appeared in another anthology as well. But uh, this was, yeah, designed to introduce it to an, a broader audience, make people aware of it rather than just putting it out on Kickstarter without that awareness. And that paid off in the first Kickstarter because a lot of people that back Geek Girl uh, came back for Cabra. And it's, it's very much a shared universe. Um, the Doom Patrol element that you just spoke of in terms of what influences Cabra's character also influences her, her and Giggle's universe in the Grot Morrison's uh, Out There Run on Doom Patrol is my biggest influence, and the bizarreness of that is uh, a big factor. Like I say, the thing with Geek Girl, now she's fronting this super team, things are going to get weird. Uh, is involved in that arc. That arc leads into Carver's mini series as well. Okay, pretty cool. Now, on the Kickstarter page is The Ballad of La Chica Cabra. Mm-hmm. Where is that from? Because I don't, I, I, I have zero and one. I don't think I see that in there. Is this from issue three? What is it? That's from issue two. Yeah. So that's that's okay. new as of this Kickstarter. Okay, that, like, is, issue two and three have not been anywhere else in any form. Uh, so that that you're talking about is the preview that's on there where she's getting to know her uh, her f buddy jeff who uh wants to get closer to her he's liked spending time with her hanging out with her but he wants to take things into a real relationship however he's aware of uh, what she's involved in and what she's involved in is well two things go into her functioning as a hit woman using her bastardized version of voodoo magic one is her mindscape which she can uh, sort of reach out with to find out about her potential hits and the other is the dimension called the infinite which she can travel through uh, by using various magics uh, to open a portal uh, entering into the infinite and then it creates a portal somewhere else in the infinite that leads to her hit uh, she needs a photo of them symbol of fertility sigil and her magic to create this now the thing with the infinite is it's not really meant to be used this way she's basically using it as some sort of shortcut and the ruler of it the rook does not like her doing so so tries to dissuade her from both physically and psychologically Mm-hmm. Now, I got a kick that the two of them are in bed together, and he turns to her and says, I looked up what your name means. And yeah. she knows, and she says that. Yeah. I got a kick out of that. And then he goes, So that's an unusual name, huh? She goes back to her, which is yeah. kind of fun. And then, then she goes to talk about the story of how it can be, which is something I hadn't seen before. So I was really yeah. interested in that. And yeah. then, uh, then he, after after a little bit, he goes to her. What's your real name? 
And then there's a little more of explanation as to who she is, which is kind of interesting. So that was some good stuff. I really appreciate getting to know her a little better and to figure out what was going on with her. So I thought that was a really good segment. I really liked that. If you go to the page again, it's on the, the Kickstarter page. Look at the preview, and I think you're going to enjoy that. It's really good. Yeah, thank you. So let's see. Uh, so that'll be part of two. But you said the artwork for three is all done already, right? All, all of the miniseries, the artwork is, is completed. There's just some uh, covers, bit of coloring, bit of lettering to do. So, yeah, I mean, you're getting a four-issue miniseries. One to three of it are, are on there now. And the issue zero that predates them, that is, is like a black and white one that, that has carvers origin and introduces to a, us to the infinite dimension so you can and, and as i say the the appearances in geek girl so you can which are you know she's going to cross back over with geek girl after the miniseries so that is quite a sort of a important thing and she's got a, a big big role to play in the pages of geek girl okay so that's going to be interesting because uh now, as far as people want to get this, it's pretty much only through the Kickstarter right now, right? Oh, yeah, it's completely through the Kickstarter. I haven't um, shopped it to publishers. Um, I There's a, you know, a, a thing that's sometimes a route where publishers pick up um, comics from Kickstarter. So I'm, you know, I'm open to that option. So at the moment, it's entirely based, uh, available on Kickstarter, whereas Geek Girl, as I say, published by Marcosia, um, issue 10 was available on the previous Geek Girl Kickstarter, but is now available, so you can get that as well, uh, Geek Girl 10, and, and previous issues at, like Comixology, uh, Indie Planet. But, um, yeah, Geek Girl as it stands is exclusive to Carbaccini, rather, is exclusive to Kickstarter as it stands. Okay. Are you thinking eventually about putting up, maybe talking to Marcosia and seeing if they can put Geek Girl and Carbaccini out? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm just, as I say, I'm not doing anything other than releasing it on Kickstarter. So there's going to be more Kickstarters to come after after this one because uh, there's going to be the issue for the conclusion of the mini-series, and then there'll be a, the trade paperback following that. So at the moment, I'm not really thinking beyond its uh, its life on Kickstarter, and I think that gives it quite a, you know, you know that um, you're getting this, you know, if this if this ends up coming out from a publisher uh, other than my own imprint in the future, then you are getting this a good, good way in advance of that if you get it on the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Okay, now there's a really interesting level that you're offering at 13.1 called the Influencers Collectors Pack, which is interesting. You're offering issues zero to three of Cabrucini, but then you're offering to send to, if people get into it, of sending them Jessica Jones, the Variance Trade Paperback, Unstoppable Doom Patrol number one, which is coming out later from DC, I think, and Deadpool by Alyssa Wong, volume one trade paperback. I've, I haven't seen people do that before. So I know you're a big fan of Doom Patrol, and they're just getting their own series again. Um, are you going to buy them and then send them to the, the people who uh, contribute to this level? 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's 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 there because it's as as we say, it's the influencers pack. So the tagline for uh, as you mentioned earlier for Carberries take. Jessica Jones, Deadpool, Doom Patrol, and Blend, and you get Carbaccini. Um, so if you enjoy Carbaccini, you're going to enjoy those other books, and if you enjoy those other books, you're going to enjoy Carbaccini. And also, they're they're all brand new, like the Jessica Jones uh, variants, which is the, the latest uh, Jessica Jones miniseries. Uh, written by Gail Simone, which sees her going into the multiverse and encountering variants herself and hooking up with a Daredevil variant. Uh, that has come out this week uh, in terms of the trade, which is what you get. Uh, and the Deadpool one, the first series, uh, first collection of Alyssa Wong's, is not even out yet. Um, so that comes out in May, I believe. And uh, that sees Deadpool hooking up with a new love interest and uh, embryonically growing a carnage symbiote in his body. Uh, so it's a body slash body horror slash love story. And then the Unstoppable Doom Patrol comes out at the end of this month, which is the latest incarnation of Doom Patrol back for a new miniseries, uh, new team, new mission, um, including the core members. And uh, yeah, these all of these are all influences. These these universes, these characters, these comics on on the formation of Cabra. And as I say, I think uh, if you like one, you're gonna like the others. Okay, because uh, I I see people like uh, give out other indie comic creator comics, but I haven't seen anybody actually do their influences and send them out and make them even if they're available publicly to, to make it part of that. So that's, I think is an interesting new way to go about that. So I think that's, I hope people really, you know, lock into that. It'd be nice to see that catch on. Now, have you, have you been watching the doom patrol? Cause I understand that doom patrol one is, uh, is coming to an end, which is I'm sad about. Uh, have you been watching the one that's been on HBO max? Uh, well, we don't have HBO Max in the UK, unfortunately. So I'd seen the first three seasons, uh, but season four has not. Well, what happened previously in the UK is it was on Amazon's Stars Play channel, but for some reason, season four isn't. Uh, so I might have to wait for the DVD on that one. Uh, what I have seen of it, I really like. Um, I think the cancellation of it may have a lot to do with the restructuring of the DC cinematic slash TV universe rather than any shortcomings in, in Doom Patrol itself, which has been fantastic. And, you know, has, as someone mentioned the other day on the credits now, they can put starring Oscar winning when the second second half of the uh, full season comes back this is starring Oscar winning actor Brendan Fraser as Cliff Steele right right that's going to be something that you know they're going to push that because that's going to yeah more eyes is- balls on but this is as they said it's the last season now and that's it's the last season and what they're doing is is they divided it in half yeah so i've got to uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry they're doing that because it, it makes things a lot harder to keep track of. But yeah, 
I'll just have to, you know, we'll, we'll just have to kind of do the best we can with it. That and Titans are both going to end. So I, I guess Brendan Fraser would cost a lot more to bring back after winning the Oscar. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to miss those characters because boy, they have really been something different. So yeah, I, really I mean, like have, what are your thoughts on on what you've seen of season four? Because as I say, I haven't seen much of it. It's pretty much a continuation of what they've done in the past. So I'm pretty happy with that, but, uh, but I'm going to miss like, it because it is unique. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it's well done. They bring the, the uh, what's his name's daughter back, the, the uh, chief's daughter back. Dorothy. And yeah. there's a several other, yeah, they're bringing, there's several other plot lines are, are kind of brought around too. And, and I hate to spoil them, but uh, it, it's a, it's a good show. I really have yeah. enjoyed it. it. It's, it's, you know, talk about the weird. Yeah. You know, that is a very weird, yeah. very different show. And I like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. It's, it's yeah. Terrific. And the way they, they take from, you know, different sort of incarnations such as Grant Morrison's run and, uh, Rachel Pollack's with, uh, um, cod piece in a, there's a, the tease, the episode one with cod piece, <laughs> Uh, who has an interesting weapon. Uh, so that, that came from Rachel Parks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can see things from, from all over the place. I know Casey Brink comes into it from the most recent one, from Gerard Way. Uh, it's very cool stuff. I, I you know, I, I love what they're doing with it. And Brennan Fraser is terrific as well. Well, the, the, the whole season starts out with, like, killer butts. Yes, I mean, the butt thing I'm less keen on, and as far as I'm aware, aren't in any of the comics. I mean, if someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's something they've bought to and are really running with. Uh, I can't say that's my favorite uh, component. Well, they it, they they lean on them heavily, uh, yeah. So I it's going to be something. Apparently, the the whole future they have to go and and of course they have Madame Ruse who's a part and she's uh, involved in all this. So all that stuff is going to have to get resolved and stuff. But uh, that'll be interesting to see how they do that. But uh, the thing that drives me nuts though is that DC is putting out the Doom Patrol comic right when the, the word is out that they're canceling the show. Hmm. You know, this is this is bad timing in in my estimation. They should have they should have put it out sooner, or I don't know. The, maybe they're delaying the because we don't know when the last half of the season's coming no. out. It's really odd stuff. I mean, I think very, Doom very Patrol, good. not Doom Patrol. Sorry, DC always seems to have difficulty in in obtaining a synergy that that Marvel, you know, does well. So you have, which which I'm I'm sure I know is is a massive reason for the reboot that's going to be happening under James Gunn. Because I mean, you have, you know, if you've got in Marvel, you've got, you know, you can cross over the TV shows and the movies. In the in the TV show, you've got a character played by one actor, which would be played by a different one in the movies. Um, and I I think Marvel have done a decent job of connecting the release of, of the comics with with what's going on in the movies like Kang is obviously the big thing in the movies now and it is also a big thing in in the comics um but dc don't seem to never really have seemed to have that synergy as far as i can see certainly haven't consistently had it which again 
is the aim of what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've written a column on James, what I call the Gunniverse. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious to see how this, this is all going to work because it's so weird. Um, based on the stuff he's done in the past, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say I'm enthusiastic about it because I saw Peacemaker where they have the, the dance. They all dance at the beginning of the title sequence. Yeah, and if they're going to have the every every group dance at the beginning, they're going to be a little unhappy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so that's. We'll it's main, I don't think it's well, mainly going to be a the dance way, based direction for the DCU. What do you think about what James Gunn wants to do? What's your opinion on that? The thing is, I'm not a DC guy. I love Doom Patrol, um, but Doom Patrol is really its own thing. I mean, this this new Unstoppable Doom Patrol series actually sees the DC, uh, the Doom Patrol coming back to being a sort of integral part of the DC universe, whereas for quite some time they've done their own thing. So I'm much more into Marvel superheroes generally than DC. So it's not something I'm invested in. Um, uh, you know, I may see some of it, but I mean, Black Adam, which I kind of was in the sort of last of whatever phase we call this with the DC, it was um, not something that interested me at all. Okay. Okay, well, we'll see what happens, because when things start to come out, if there's an overarching story, it better be a darn good one if we're going to do a whole, you know, combination of movies and animation and and TV and stuff like that. That better yeah, be a I darn mean, good overarching story is all I, all I can say about that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm a I'm a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, so that's that's kind of what put James Gunn on the map. So, and I'm looking forward to the third one on that. So, let's say I, because it's not, you know, a universe I'm invested in. I I, I can't. Your perspective on it is is different from mine. Um, I'm not someone that's going to be, you know, looking avidly for these movies. But um, I say I, I see the logic to what they're doing, which is, you know, there wasn't this cohesiveness that Marvel has. Yeah. Okay. So as, as far as where Cappuccini is basically all together and stuff, so it's going to, you're going to do a Kickstarter, you said, for issue number four. Do you, have you got that scheduled yet? Or do you know when you're going to do that? Uh, I don't want to commit to that yet because Kickstarter is a lot of work. I mean, you know, I'm in the middle of this one at the moment. It takes a lot of time. Uh, I have a day job. I use holidays to um, so I can devote full time to it. Um, and there's another Geek Girl Kickstarter coming not that long after this one. So I don't want to burn myself out. Um, but it's, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be a, a great gap between issues two and three and issue four and as i say issue four is is not far off complete so it's it it's it could be uh it could be before the end of the year but uh, at the moment i want to focus on on what we've got going on at the moment which i haven't given the link to by the way which is the easy link rather than kickstarter slash etc is c-a-b-r-a-c-i-n-i dot com Okay, that's great. That'll work out really well. So once again, I, I people say I don't say this enough either, that the project will be funded if it reaches its goal, which it already has, by Saturday, April 1, 
at 12 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. But don't wait until then to support. Be sure to get out there and support it so we can see more of it. So that'll be good to. Now, if people want to keep up with what you're up to, how do they do that? You, you've given a website for Cavaricini. Uh, is there social media that you use too to keep people uh, abreast of what you're up to? Yeah, um, I'm doing quite a bit on Instagram at the moment. Uh, so that's at Sam Johnson Comics. Uh, Twitter, DA Sam Johnson. Facebook, uh, I'm pretty easy to find. If you search Sam Johnson, I've got three Facebooks because of, you can only have so many friends on each one. So if you've got friends that are into comics, it's not unlikely that uh, will come up uh, and showing us having mutual friends. Um, so, yeah, pretty easy to get hold of. Geekgirlcomics.com is the website for Geek Girl as well. As I say, the the new issue of that and previous issues are available outside of Kickstarter, and that will link you to get in those outside of it. But uh, I say a good way to go is to get this uh, new crossover pack that um, brings Geek Girl and Carver together. You gotta make sure you put the hyphen in there. It's geek hyphen girl. Not in the link, though. Yeah, so the link is that. just geekgirlcomics.com. Oh, really? Okay, that's different. Yeah. That'll be good because uh, there is another geek girl that's yes. a whole separate ball game, and we got to make yeah. sure we get people to the right one. So that's what I'm kind of yeah, yeah. trying to make sure it goes to the right place. Yeah, I mean, if you if you ever search so been- girl on anything, it's geek hyphen girl because uh, there isn't a book, and this. This this other well a book but rather than a comic uh, called Geek Girl that has has ended now but was a successful was running for some time but I don't think uh, the character in that would hold up in a fight against uh, Carbacini video junkie Hitwoman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that's true. I get that. That'll be good. Stuff. So anyway, uh, we want to make sure. So as far as Geek Girl goes, you got. Did you say that issue ten is already available through Marcosia? Yeah, yeah, issue ten, which uh, starts the new uh, identity crisis arc, where um, there's a uh, a villain introduced called Identity Thief that literally steals someone's identity. So they don't just like shape shift into someone that looks like them; they take their sort of physicality from them leaving them a sort of withered uh shadow of themselves and the identity thief resembling them and what's going on with geek girl is identity fans kind of a fat identity thief is kind of a fan of geek girl and in an attempt to take geek girl's identity we'll also be tapping into her mind and we'll get to see uh what makes Ruby K, aka Geek Girl, tick through that? Oh wow, that'd be something. So that's in issue ten. That part is in issue eleven, but the actual arc uh, begins in issue ten, which sees identity thief going up against Pitbull, who's is a cool character, the jock superhero. Who uh, how how this encounter happens? Identity thief has, has taken on some guy's own identity. He looks like a fairly scrawny guy who's coming up to Pitbull in a pub and challenge him to a fight and Pitbull's like, and, uh, yeah, this is not, I don't know what you think you're doing. This is not going to be a problem. Gives, gives Pitbull some verbal abuse. Pitbull takes him outside still with his beer in one hand to, uh, 
in his right hand to quite easily, he believes, take him out in a left with a left hand punch, not even putting much strength into it. This is going to be a piece of cake. However, that actually plays into what Identity Thief's wanting him to do, uh, which, uh, yeah, we won't uh, spoil. Okay, so I've got questions about that, but we'll, we'll have to deal with that another time. I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, sounds interesting, kind of an interesting thing to do that. So, okay, so one last time, let's talk about we Cabracini, Voodoo Junkie Hit Woman, one to three, it says on Kickstarter. Again, it's going to uh, fund uh, by Saturday, April the 1st at 12 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And the goal has been reached, but uh, there's still time to support it. And be sure to make sure that uh, Sam gets what he needs to keep the series going. So uh, anything else that you're working on, Sam, or is that uh, kind of keeping you busy right now? Yeah, I think with these two, it's it's enough. Uh, and, and as I say, I enjoy the um, crossover element of comics and that these two crossover you can read one without the other but uh yeah cabra is gonna have a big role to play in the eagle series okay sounds good well sam much success as you go forward and we're looking forward to seeing cabracini and geeko get the you know interact with each other and have some uh, some fun adventures so keep up the wonderful stuff sam thank you wayne And that's it for this week. Be back next time. We'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. You'll never win, Joker. I'll always be here to stop you.